Genesis chapter 22, God says to Abraham, take your son Isaac. Take him up to the hill, top of the mountain, sacrifice him. Understand that when God told Abraham to kill Isaac, he was not only saying to a father, kill your son. As as heavy as that is, as harsh as that is, that's not all God was saying to Abraham. God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, kill the promise. Kill the dream. You couldn't have kids. I promised you a kid. You got a kid. I told you the kid's going to cause us to, to have nations and nations and nations. He's going to be the foundation for what becomes the nation uh, that, that will give birth to the Messiah. Now throw all of that away and prove your faith to me. Abraham and Isaac start their way up the, the hill. Isaac knows that they're going to make a sacrifice on the altar to God. And as they make their journey, Isaac says, but dad, where's the lamb? Abraham answers, God will provide. And he did. There was a ram in the thicket. They sacrificed the ram instead at the last minute. You remember the story. But hear that, hear that question. Isaac says, where is the lamb? Abraham gives that vague answer that perhaps had so much more meaning than even he began to understand. He said, the Lord will provide. And the Lord did provide. Ultimately, yes, there was a short-term answer, but ultimately, the answer to the question would be declared many hundreds of years later. And the solution would be provided many hundreds of years later. We find that part of the story in John chapter 1 at verse 29. Where is the Lamb? John chapter 1. We are introduced to John the Baptist. He is baptizing people and preparing them for the, the coming Messiah. The Pharisees get together and say, hey, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? What's going on? And basically, John says, dude, all we're doing is getting wet. I'm just baptized by water. You guys are causing a stink over me. You just wait and see who's coming after me. In verse 28 of chapter 1, it says, These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Then look at verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Based on our understanding of Scripture, John the Baptist had one purpose in life. The reason John the Baptist was born was to announce the coming of Messiah. In our understanding, he had no other purpose but that one. 
And here he is baptizing in the river. He looks up and Jesus is coming. And what would John then say? Look. Behold means pay attention, not just to glance, but to look at it carefully. He said, behold. We might think he would say, here comes the Messiah I told you about. Look, everybody, here comes the great prophet. Can you see? Here is the king himself. He's coming. But instead, how was Jesus first introduced to the world in his, as an adult? John chooses that image to fulfill his life's purpose. It is very likely that Jesus is just coming out of the wilderness. This is probably the first thing that happens after Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He, here's John baptizing and John says, look, not the great teacher, not the great man, not the prophet, not even the Messiah. Look, here's the Lamb of God. Dad, where's the Lamb? And John says right here, here is the one who is the Lamb of God, the one who will be sacrificed. He is the Lamb. A Lamb is innocent. A Lamb is meek. A Lamb was used as a sacrifice on a regular basis. The people of Israel were familiar with the Lamb. At Passover, each family sacrificed a Lamb. Every day, year-round, every day in the temple, two Lambs were sacrificed, one in the morning and one in the evening. They were sacrificed in order to cover the sins of the people. And the thing is, the people kept sinning, so we had to keep killing more critters. Every morning, every evening, a lamb dies as a sacrifice to a holy God to cover the sins of the people. Those lambs were brought by men to men. John says, but here is God's lamb brought by God to men on behalf of men. As we hear John declare, behold the lamb, we realize that Jesus was the lamb of God. Those lambs that they were used to sacrificing day in and day out could not really take away sin. There, this the blood that they shed covered sin, but the next time another sin was committed, that there had to be another solution. You couldn't take away sin, but John says, Behold, look, pay attention. Do you see? Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Those lambs were for Israel alone, the lambs that were sacrificed in the temple and even those at Passover by each family. They were for Israel. But did you hear what John said? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just for Israel. The Lamb of God is for the world. I, was, uh, I remember as a teenager... Somebody came to the church, and he was a, a musician, very talented and gifted musician. And 
he, he sang a, an original song about the cross and what Jesus did on the cross as he sacrificed for the whole world, all that that meant. And it was a beautiful, powerful song. But I don't remember the song itself. What I remember was as the song ended and the sound is just beginning to fade throughout the sanctuary, the musician ended his song with this. And the words took on a whole new meaning. By the way, that's all I can play on the piano. But the words took on a whole new meaning. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. He died for the sins of the world, although he had never sinned himself. Jesus was the Lamb of God. And then as we hear John identify him, we also remember that the Lamb was killed. John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. How does that happen? How does he take away sin? When he paid the price for our sin. And as Wendy pointed out, that price was a big price. That price was life. His blood had to be shed in order that he could pay the penalty. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Someone's got to die if someone sins. You sinned. He died. He basically said, you owe your life for your sin, but I love you enough that I'll pay your life by giving my own. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Luke chapter 22 and verse 7 is telling us the story of when Jesus died. And I wanted you to see something very important about the timing of Jesus' death on the cross. In Luke 22 at verse 7, it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. That is the chapter that is telling the story of Jesus dying on the cross. And it sets it within the time of Passover. Jesus died the same time that the lambs were being killed in sacrifice for sin. That was not a coincidence. Why were the people killing lambs on Passover anyway? Well, you remember the story in the Old Testament when the Jews are, are held captive in, in Egypt? They're... they're basically slaves in Egypt, and they stay there for 400 years. And finally, God says, hey, Moses, take my people free. Set my people free. And you know the whole story. Moses says, I can't. God says, yes, you can. Moses says, I can't. God says, do what you're told. Okay. He goes to Egypt. He gets all the, he, he gets all the people ready. And then he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. Moses says, okay, God's going to hurt you. God hurts him. He says, okay. Then right before they leave, Pharaoh says, no. Moses says, okay, God's going to hurt you. God hurts him. He says, okay. The whole story, you remember how that goes, plague after plague after plague. What was the last plague? The last plague was that the firstborn of every family had to die. 
The firstborn son of every family was going to be killed. But then came the secret instruction. Those of you who are a part of Israel, those of you who are a part of God's people, you slaughter a lamb and you take the lamb's blood and you put it around the door. That way when the angel of death comes through town, he will see the blood on that door and that sacrifice will count as a substitute for killing the firstborn. And the angel of death will pass over that house and go to the next. The lamb was a substitute, a sacrifice on behalf of that family so they didn't have to sacrifice their firstborn. Look at the cross again, beloved. Hear again the words of John as we see Jesus hanging on the cross over Passover weekend. He is, he's dying for you and for me. Hear again John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God. Paul speaks to us in 1 Corinthians 5 and he makes it so clear what is happening there on that cross. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. That Jesus now is the Paschal lamb, the Passover sacrifice. His blood has covered us. Therefore, we don't have to die like the firstborn had to die in Egypt. We don't have to die because His blood covers us. The prophet said it would be that way long before Jesus ever came. In Isaiah chapter 53 at verse 7, the prophet looks forward in time and sees Messiah and says he was oppressed as he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The emphasis there is is not so much on the fact that he didn't talk back. The emphasis is that he had the power to stop it at any moment. But he didn't open his mouth to do so because it was for this reason that he was born. Jesus oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't stop it. He didn't open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to slaughter. Revelation, John is looking into the spiritual part of God's reality and God's creation that you and I don't get to see. We live in the physical realm. God, God allowed John to look into the spiritual realm and see things that were happening at that time and to see things that would happen later. And in his vision, in his, in his, um, as God opened that to him, in Revelation chapter 5 at verse 11, he sees and hears the angelic heavenly beings worthy is the lamb who was slain. 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is Messiah. Worthy is prophet. Worthy is, how was he described by the angelic beings in heaven? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. If you've been in Baptist life very long, you have heard me and countless other preachers refer to Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon called the prince of preachers. He, he was, by many accounts, the greatest Baptist preacher of all time. We all learn from him. In 1857, he wrote in his journal about one specific event. He was about to preach at the Crystal Palace in London. And by the way, when he did preach there, it drew the biggest crowd they'd ever had. And he was preparing for that event just a day or two before everyone would be there to hear him preach. He wrote this in his journal. I went to decide where the platform should be fixed and in order to test the acoustic properties of the building. Remember, he didn't have a microphone. And so he went to the, the building a day or two ahead and tried to figure out where he should stand so that his voice would resonate the most in the room. So he said he went to see where the platform should be fixed in order to test the acoustic properties of the building I cried in a loud voice, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And in one of the galleries, a workman who knew nothing of what was being done heard the words, and they came like a message from heaven to his soul. He was smitten with conviction out of, uh, on account of sin, put down his tools, went home, and there, after a season of spiritual struggling, found peace and life by beholding the Lamb of God. Spurgeon didn't even sing just as I am or ask the guy to walk down the aisle. He just said, look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is our goal, our job today is to say to our friends, our family, our loved ones, to the world around us, beloved, look at the cross, look at Jesus, look at the Lamb of God. And as we do, we understand that the Lamb took our place. He was the Lamb of God. The Lamb was killed and the Lamb took our place. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That includes you and me. He took our place. Wages of sin is death means that you are intended to pay that but he took our place in 1 Peter chapter 1 at verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, that is a, that is a theological way to, uh, to describe sin. The futile ways inherited from your forefathers. 
living a life of sin. Knowing that you were ransomed from that, not with perishable things such as silver or gold or $20 bills, but with the precious blood of Christ. What a price! Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He took our place. He was like the lamb without blemish or spot. In other words, he had no faults. He didn't die for himself. He was perfect. No blemish. Jesus was indeed innocent. The lamb in Scripture is always about a substitute. When Abraham went up that mountain, God provided a substitute for Isaac. So Isaac didn't have to die. In the Passover, the the lambs that that were sacrificed the night of the Passover were substitutes for the firstborn. Day in and day out in the temple, the lambs that were sacrificed were substitutes for the sinful nation. Jesus was a substitute for you and me. In his book called Written in Blood, Robert Coleman tells a story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. The doctor explained that she had the same disease that the boy had recovered from two years earlier. And so her only chance for recovery was a transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was the ideal blood donor. So they asked him, would you give your blood to Mary? Johnny hesitated. His lower lip kind of started to tremble. He smiled and said, sure, for, for my sister. Soon the two children were wheeled into a hospital room. Mary was pale and thin. Johnny was robust and healthy. Neither of them said a word, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile faded. and He watched the blood flow through the tube. When the ordeal was over, his voice was kind of shaky. He said, Doctor, when do I die? Remember they had only asked him, would you give your blood to Mary? And According to Coleman's account, the little one actually literally thought he was giving his life for his sister. My guess is there's someone in your world for whom you would give your life. A child, a spouse, a grandchild. My guess is you know someone that you would give your life for. Jesus loves you that much. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, us. That is mind-blowing. 
I understand how he might love some. I mean, some of us are very easy to love. But how could he love fill in the blank? How could he be willing to give his blood for that person? That's an amazing love. The Lamb took our place. And beloved, I'm almost through and I've got to, I've got to end with this and let you know that the Lamb is on His throne. He was, Jesus was the Lamb of God. He was killed. He took our place. And today, He is on His throne. Revelation chapter 5, again, John looks into the spiritual reality. Listen, he says, between the, the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. I saw the lamb of God, he says. Revelation 7, crying out with a loud voice, the angelic beings Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In Revelation 13, there's a reference to the Lamb's book of life. In 17, the Lamb is the, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. In 19, there's the wedding feast of the Lamb. In 21, there's no temple or sun because the Lamb is the temple and the light. No wonder then that we... Sing together, crown him with many crowns. The lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns out all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as the matchless king through all eternity. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. Jesus, thank you as the lamb of God that you took our place, that you died our death, that you provided for us life. We acknowledge you, praise you, worship you this morning as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now we say, you, the Lamb of God, is worthy of all glory praise in Jesus name